Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to discuss the, uh, this whole turn that's happened in the, the Torah and maybe just kind of take it from a more kind of like um, personal uh, macro perspective. And that's the, the, the chapters that we've just started uh, with Parsha's Truma, the chapters leading up to the construction of the Mishkan which is the, the, also known as the, the tabernacle in the, in the desert. It was the, sort of the prototype of the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in, in Jerusalem. And, um, and there's a lot of the Torah, a lot of the five books is, is devoted to the construction of it and the, the details and the measurements surrounding it. And so uh, we have to sort of wrap our minds around it because so much attention is given by the Torah to it. So we, we have to try to understand it. So what I'd like to suggest, and we're going to talk about this on different levels, hopefully on a more sort of kind of philosophical level, more Kabbalistic level, but I just want to start it by, by discussing it on a more personal level, which is that um, it seems to me that where, where Parsha's Truma is coming right now, where, where the, the details of, this, um, of building this structure is coming, um, can help us to understand maybe part of the meaning of, of, of the whole thing. Meaning to say the following, that God has now given us freedom. God has given us the Torah. Meaning to say that we've been taken out of Egypt. These are the the Parshas leading up to this moment. We've been taken out of Egypt. We've been given the Torah, which is a a vision for how to live our lives. And now comes the question, how are we going to put it all together? You see, this is, a very, this is a very real thing in our lives because all of us in our lives, we have different aspects to our lives. We have the, we've got the career part. We've got the, the family part. We've got the God part. We've got the different parts of our lives. But now the question is, how do you integrate these different aspects of your life in a very purposeful way? In other words, a lot of us are sort of like juggling all these things and we're, we live in a very reactive type of way. But what the Mishkan is challenging us to do is to, is to ask, how are we actually constructing this in a measured, thought-out way? So that, so that even if we end up doing the same thing after a lot of thought, now we're actually doing it on purpose. See, there's a, there's a big difference between kind of just doing it and doing it on purpose. And I think that you know, one of my teachers told me something that stayed with me, which is, he said that all of life is developing good habits. And so, you know, it's really, it, in, in terms of our lives, it, it, I, I saw something Rabbi Moshe Schloss from the, the old city in Yerushalayim sort of held up a chart one time, and I really liked it. It's in English, but it's, it's deep. He, he, he put up the word, and it said spiritual, right? And a lot of people you know, who, who, especially in today's society, they, they don't understand um, the point of the mitzvahs and things like that. They, they understand connection with God as primarily a feeling and as just sort of like a state of mind. But not once it gets into the level of practice, like we're talking about in terms of the mishkan, like actual measurements and putting things together, constructing a, a schedule in your day and things like that, doing things on purpose, that all of a sudden becomes sort of like the tyranny of religion. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sort of like, you know, all of a sudden it's like, you know, time to rebel and things like that. But, what he, but, but, but this insight, which I really love, was he shows, this word, he shows this word spiritual, and then he says, now look what the word that's in spiritual, ritual. 
The word ritual, actually, you don't have to move around any letters. The word ritual actually exists Right, in fact, it's about 80% of the word spiritual, or more, is ritual. Because ritual, and you substitute the word halakha, substitute the word mitzvah, whatever it is, these are, these are actually the, the building blocks of actually doing this on purpose. That's the idea. Not just to be kind of doing it and swimming in the waters and whatnot, but to actually be doing it on purpose. It's good. We've got the soundtrack of construction behind us. The Mishkan is being built while we're talking. This is good. This is good. <laughs> um, okay. So now you say, okay, so what do you, what do you want to do? What are you, what are you trying to do to me? You're trying to, you're trying to schedule my life out of all spontaneity. That's, that's the bottom line. That's what you're really trying to do. It's like, let's, let's, let's like look under the cover here and you know, really figure out what you're trying to do. You're trying to make me go to Minion in the morning. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. Tons of benefits to that. You're trying to make me keep Shabbos. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about that. And saying brochas before you eat, like all of the, all of the all of the mitzvahs, because this is this is actually the structure. This is this is the structure. When you put this together, you, you make a life. You make a life for yourself. So, but but now I'm going to add something. So, why have why is this not a a death sentence? Meaning to say, how how is it that you can say you want to schedule your your life from the moment you wake up, which we do. We say you should go to sleep on your left side, by the way, and you wake up on your right side. And if you can't do that on purpose, I don't, you, you certainly can start to go to sleep on your left side, by the way. You know, even if you, it's just a starting point, even if you're there for a second, you can have in mind that you've done that. And even if you wake up on your left side or on your back or on your stomach or whatever it is, you can sort of like officially finish sleeping on your right side. I do that, you know, I, before I get out of bed, I'll turn on to my right side. There's lots of kavanas you can have for that, but whatever it is, the point is, is that, and then you say, modani, you, 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 you thank God for just another day before you even get out of bed. Remember the amazing thing that, that grammatically speaking, it should be not modani, but ani modet. In other words, it should be, I thank you, God. The first words out of your mouth are, I thank you, God. And of course, there are levels to that too. I acknowledge that it's only you, God, but, 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 how could it be that a Jew should wake up in the morning and the first thing he says out of his mouth is I? So they actually shifted the language so that it's moda ani. Ani means I. So even though it's ungrammatical, but how can you begin with the word I every day? Just like this, everything is about me. Right? So in other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that here we have from the very moment you wake up, what side what side you should be on, what words you should say, what words you shouldn't say. Like, you're legislating all life out of my life. What are you doing to me? Aha. Uh-huh. So now comes the wisdom, the majesty of simcha. You see, if a person is besimcha, if a person has joy, and simcha is very deep, Remember, you can rearrange the words of, of simcha, or I don't know if it's, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's the word sameach, maybe it's the word sameach, I'm not sure which form of simcha, and it's mashiach, it's, it's a total redemption. So, but the, the, the point is, is that 
this creates spontaneity. Simcha is, joy means expanded consciousness. See, people, people don't really understand the depths of what simcha is. They think it's just being a clown or, you know, smiling or whatever it is. That's not what simcha is. Simcha is, is it's, a, it's when you are in a state of expanded consciousness or of joy, it creates expanded consciousness. Then all of a sudden, you have the best of both worlds. See, now you have a day that's ordered where you're doing everything on purpose where you're hitting all of the marks, where you're being incredibly expansive in terms of your activities in this world and the next simultaneously, and it's spontaneous if you are besimcha, if you are in a state of joy, because that enlivens all of your actions. It enlivens all of your actions. So, so, so this is an ongoing process. This is an ongoing process. Now let's take a, a, a step back and one of kind of one of my theme songs, one of the sort of the main things I've been trying to communicate, I'm going to give you a new dimension to it right now, and we're going to tie it into the Mishkan, is this notion that the question that everybody asks whether they can articulate it or not, which is that if there's a God and he's good, why is the world so messed up? It's everybody's question. This is everybody's question. And we hopefully we all know the answer by now. It's because the world is not finished yet. Okay? Now, now listen to this. We say in the Chadodi, Sofma Seba Machshava Techila, which means first in thought, last in deed. Which means that, that what Hashem conceived of before he created the world was actually the perfected world that's coming at the end that he made us partners with him in terms of creating. But that's what, that, was the, that is the game plan. That was the game plan, that is the game plan, and that is what will become manifest. And we have this privilege of being partners with God in terms of building the world. Now, we're going to tie it into the Mishkan in a second. I'm going to tell you an unbelievable gematria that I learned from the Vilna Gon. Amazing. But, but let's get there in a second. Let's just make sure that we're, we're, we're understanding this. Another visual that, that I learned, and I'm always saying over, but it's crucial to, to get this, when an architect builds a home, the first thing they envision is the completed product, like the finished building, then they set about building it. Okay, so the first thing that Hashem had in mind when he created the world, before he created the world, was a perfected world. It was a world with no hate, no war, no hunger, no obstacles to serving him. That's what he had in mind. Now we are in the process right now of creating this world with God. Okay, now listen to this, something unbelievable. And keep in mind very much the idea of a building, of an architect, right? Because we're talking about the Mishkan. We're talking about the Mishkan. Because the Mishkan represents not just a, a place where you can bring offerings. And by the way, I'll just tell you something which is just, everyone should know this. By the third base Amigdash, the, um, the only offering that's going to still be in place, right? What do you think? Because if you, if you learn the Torah, you'll see they're all different categories of offerings. Lots of different types of offerings. Do you know what offering, the only offering people are going to bring? Toda. Uh, toda, yeah. Thanksgiving offerings. So thanks never goes out of style. Like literally ever. <laughs> you know? 
And by the way, as, 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 as I learned from someone wise, it's never too late to say thank you. You know, sometimes people get into their lives and they go, oh, you know, someone did something nice for me and then I should have written them that thank you note and I didn't and now it's too long and now I'm sure they hate me and uh, this, you know, people play trips on themselves. I'm telling you, I, you can write a thank you note five, ten years later. It'll actually mean more, not less, at that point. You know, the person says, wow, they're still thinking about me. That's so nice, you know. So, so the Corbin Toda, the Thanksgiving offering, will never, ever go out of style. Never goes out of style. It's a, so, so thanks is always appropriate. And you can always find something to thank God for. Even in a dark place, you can always find, actually, multiple things to thank God for. Okay. So now again, let's get back to the idea that that the, the Mishkan is more than just a building. The Mishkan is, it's a structure for the entire universe. All right? And, and, and that's why when we talk about the third base of Migdash, especially like in Chabad circles a lot, you hear like a tremendous emphasis talking about the rebuilding of the base of Migdash. Like every single day, it's a very primary focus. Rebuilding the third temple, making the third temple. Why? Why? Because the third temple is synonymous with the perfection of the world. It's synonymous with, it's one and the same with Mashiach coming. And so, so isn't that curious that we're talking about a building and that building should be one and the same with the idea of the perfection of the world? It's because everything falls into place. Because the plan that God had in the beginning, before he even created the world, all of a sudden achieves its reality. That, that, that's why with the measurements, everything is in the right place, everything is together, there's a coherence, there's a harmony, right? That's, that's, that's why the structure of the Mishkan, and remember, each single person is, is called a Mishkan. All of us individually are called Mishkans. The Rishonah Rebbe says something which is a, a heartbreaking Torah, heartbreaking Torah. He says that by Parsha Shmini, when it's talking about the completion of the Mishkan, and this was, you know, a tremendous day of celebration, it says that God rejoiced when the Mishkan was finished, like he rejoiced on the completion of creating the entire world. Because the Mishkan itself was a miniature of the world, right? This ties together with everything we're saying, right? Because all, it's all there. So why then would Parsha Shmini, which is such a happy occasion, begin with the word Vayahi? Vayahi, the Gomorrah in Megillah, explains when you have a Pasuk that begins with Vayahi, it portends something negative. So they give different answers, but still it's a question. Here we're getting, we're making the, the Mishkan, it says Vayahi, why? So he says, the original Rebbe says, because each and every single one of us was supposed to be the Mishkan, and it wasn't supposed to be a building. It was supposed to be us. Right? And so, but that is, that is part of the plan. And they're kind of one and the same. Because remember, the Mishkan is not just a miniature of the entire world, it's the miniature of an individual person as well. All these things are working simultaneously. And as I've shared with you in the past, but just an awesome parallel, parable, and it's just, it just works so well, so I want to say it. Then we'll, get, <coughs> then we'll get back, bless you, we'll get back, God willing, to that Gamakya to show you how all of these things tie together in a moment. But um, a father is exhausted, super exhausted. Remember, we're, we're, we're showing how a person in a Mishkan, like both of them are, are miniatures for the world, right? 
a person is a is a is a miniature mishkan, and the mishkan is a is a miniature world, a microcosm. So a father comes home and he's totally exhausted. And he can't just ah, he just wants to rest and he's going to read the newspaper a little bit, just catch his breath. And his his young child is like so excited, he wants to play and everything like that, and the father just doesn't have any energy whatsoever. So he thinks of like a, a plan. He says, okay. He says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a puzzle for you, right? And when you put together the puzzle, then we'll play. So he's trying to buy himself some time. So he takes a page from the newspaper, which has a complicated map of the world, and he puts it into like a lot of different pieces, and he gives it to his young child, like to assemble this map of the world, like, you know, he's going to get some good rest time, right? But like moments later, the child comes back and he's amazed. He's like, how did you do this? He put the whole thing together. He said it was easy. He says, on the other side, there was a picture of a person. And I, when I put the picture of the person together, the whole world fell into place. Right? So here you see, and again, this is the greatness of the Torah. This is the greatness of the mitzvahs, that everyone should understand that when you fix a mita in yourself, meaning to say, when you fix a, a, an aspect of yourself, it has cosmic consequences. Because there's this direct pipeline and this direct overlap between yourself and the entire world. And as you're fixing yourself, things in all the worlds are being aligned. This is, this is a very real thing. This is, this is real. This is real. And now imagine when this happens on a mass level. Uh, imagine how the entire world becomes aligned. And imagine how this structure becomes actually concrete, and there's actually a focal point in this dimension that reflects all of this. That's the building of the Mishkan. That's the base of Mikdash. Okay. So now, understanding that God had this structure in mind, this harmonious world in mind, which is synonymous with the base of Mikdash, with the Holy Temple, right at the beat before creation was 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 in mind. I want to apply, I want to apply a teaching from the Vilnagon. Okay? So he says an amazing gematria. This is amazing because it's just, just like just like a, like a straight arrow. He says the gematria of the word keser or keter, keter means crown. But keter and, and in, in terms of the spheron, keter is the highest of the ten spheron. In fact it's so high there's another system where it's actually even on top of the tenth sphere. It's at the top of the top, or maybe it borders beyond the tenth sphere and is also the tenth sphere. There are different ways of understanding it, but the, the point is it's, it's, it's way up. It's way up. Just like a crown sits above your head, right? It's, it's all the way up, 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 up. Okay. So, so, Keser is also, just ideologically, it's also reishis. Reishis means the beginning. Right? Because you can understand as, as the sort of, so to speak, as the divine energy is flowing down, that this would be the sort of the beginning point. Right? So, keser, which also, which means reishis, in other words, the crown, which means the beginning. The word for crown is the same gematria as the word achris which means the end, as in achris hayamin, meaning the end of days. So it's actually 620 and 619, 
but this is from the Vilna Gon. That's that's kosher, as we say. So, so what's this idea? It's exactly what we've been talking about up until now. The idea that that the that the end is the same as the beginning. Achris, the end, is the same as Keser, the crown, or Rishis, which is the beginning. They're the same. What does that mean that they're the same? That means that the idea that Hashem had in the beginning becomes manifest at the end. That thing becomes manifest at the end. Meaning to say, the architect who envisions the finished product in the beginning and then creates it at the end, this is what we're, this is what we're seeing in our lives. This is what we're seeing in the Mishkan itself. That the initial vision of perfection, of harmony in the world, becomes manifest in terms of the Beis HaMikdash, which is not just a building, but it's the ordering of all of the parts and everything fitting together in a harmonious, beautiful way. And each individual person is building in themselves a Mishkan, building in themselves this structure. And as we started out, the the, the, the avoda, the avoda, the work for us in terms of constructing ourselves is to not just kind of be reactive, like, okay, now I'm keeping a little Shabbos this week because I got invited to someone's house. No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually doing this on purpose. This is, this is part of my life. This is part of my life. I'm doing this on purpose. My work is important. My family is important. There's the God aspect of my life also. Now, how am I putting these things together on purpose? On purpose. There's a kavana that I learned from someone holy from Yerushalayim, and he said that by Baruch Shamar, before you begin Baruch Shamar, so the famous kavana is that everyone has in mind that, that, you, that you take on the love for your fellow Jew, Right, so that's that's something that everyone should have in mind before Baruch Shamar. That's that's a more well known. But he said it. I think he said it in the name of the Chos of Lublin. But he said it was a very very high kavano also to have at that point to take upon yourself to be a Merkava. That means this is like like a chariot, like meaning to say that that you're the car and God's the driver, right? And to be a Mishkan to be a Merkava and a Mishkan. A Mishkan meaning that you have pieced yourself together, or you're in the process of creating yourself in this harmonious, beautiful way. Right? So now, I want to expand the conversation, get a little more Kabbalistic. This is um, from the Meir Vashemish. So, the beginning part, and then I want to sort of like, kind of go on from it. So he, he points out, now, if you, if you study the different parts of the Mishkan, you'll see that there are all sorts of different parts to it that, that had to be put together. One of the crucial parts of it was called the Adonim. The Adonim are the, um, the, uh, the silver sockets, if you will, that you would plant the poles into. In other words, like, wh- how are the walls going to remain standing? Well, the walls have to stick into something, right? So they would stick into these sockets. Like, you know, you can imagine like a, yellow, a Lego block, 
what was that bottom Lego block that the that the that the walls would the poles of the walls would stick into, right? Those were called the adonim. They were made out of silver, and there were one hundred of them. So there were exactly one hundred of them in the Mishkan. Um, the Mir Vishemesh says something very amazing. He says, first of all, he's 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 showing you how there are all sorts of divine names within the the uh, the Mishkan itself, and adonim has the word the name of God Adonai in it. Aleph, Dalid, Nun, Yud. Okay? So we're going to go off on that in a moment, but just so you're keeping track. So we have a hundred of these foundational aspects, and it contains this divine name within it. Okay? And by the way, that divine name correlates with this dimension that we're in right now. Machus. Meaning to say that's sort of like the bottom because uh, uh, this name means God's mastery over nature, mastery over this world. So, so it would make sense that that would be the foundational aspect of the Mishkan, right? Okay, so the, the Meir Vashemesh says something really great. He says, so why a hundred? Why, why a hundred? Because there are ten spherot, and each sphera contains the other ten spheres. So you have, so to speak, 100 levels of the spheres, and these correlate with the 100 Adonim. So that's very cool. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna give my sort of thought on that. Just want you to keep the sources straight right now. This ends the Mayor of Hashemish on this one. So, so now just step back and just imagine what he just said there. Just try to visualize that. You've got the 10 spheros and 10 levels within each sphera, so you've got 100 levels of that, and that correlates with the Adonim, which is this name of God, which correlates with this dimension, right? Which means God as master, but it's a foundational thing, which means the entire spiritual universe, all 10 spheros, are just the foundation blocks, <laughs> to hold something even beyond, 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 beyond. And as Rabbi Freeman said so fantastically, he was sort of recreating the, the, the dialogue between based on the Medrash between Moshe and Hashem. Like Moshe saying, what do you need a house for? You're infinite. Right? And, 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 and Hashem says back to Moshe, well, who created, who created infinity? Meaning, even infinity is a creation. And this blew my mind because it was sort of like I had up until now thought of God as infinite. But do you understand how even putting the word if infinity is a creation (laughs) and God created the infinite, that means even the word infinite has boundaries around it. Which means that you're actually circumscribing God. You're actually making him smaller, so to speak, by even calling him infinite. So, then you've got no words to describe, which is, the, which is the proper place to actually be. One should be speechless before God. <laughs> that is the proper, appropriate reaction. Like, that's why, by the way, if you think about it, you know, Jews are very spiritual, but we're also very logical and methodical. You've got the whole spectrum. 
got the whole spectrum. That's why Torah is so amazing, right? So, so if we're going to praise God, if you think about it, once we begin praising God, that should be the entire, we should never stop. If we want to actually be truthful about it, once we get into that place where, God, we're now going to enumerate your praises, uh-oh, <laughs> you better cancel all of your appointments for the rest of your life. Because if we're even going to, you know, you know, have the temerity, right, the foolhardiness to suggest that what we're about to say is, you know, encyclopedic or inclusive, it's ridiculous. So that's why they say that when you, the, the, the choice that when you say, we say, Hagadol v'hanora, right, like, like certain words that we use, there were like battles over, can we even say that? Can we even say that? And there are only certain words we're going to use because once we open up the storehouse, it, it just, be, it's never ending. So you see how the word even infinity, infinite, infinite is problematic since God created infinity, which means that it's a creation, which means it's limited relative to God. Reb Shlomo used to say a lot of times, like, why are you making God so small? Right? This is one of the biggest pitfalls for anyone who wants to attempt to live an honest life. Is that we are, our brains are hardwired to make God small. And unless one actively works to upend that natural quality, by learning more, by thinking more, by expanding their consciousness, they will just turn God into essentially an idol. Essentially an idol. And, and the Kutzkarebi says this. He says that if you worship the same God today as you worshiped yesterday, you've already turned him into an idol. And believe me, he was only talking about Hashem. He's not talking about other religions. He's talking about Torah at this point. Meaning to say that if you've already got in your mind a locked-in understanding of what God is, what God isn't, and we're not talking on, we're just, I hope we're communicating here. We're talking on a much deeper level than, than we're talking about, yeah, Torah's from God, every letter's from God, here are the 613 mitzvahs. That's all assumed within this teaching. We're not talking about any radical new ideas and theology. We're talking about the Torah that we're all talking about. Now, within that Torah, within that Torah, if you've got a static, frozen concept of God, within all of those premises, that's a problem. So, so let's get back to this idea of the Adonim. So the Adonim, there were a hundred Adonim, and it contains the, this, this divine name, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, and Yud, which means God's mastery over nature. It's appropriate for this dimension that we're in now. It's sort of like a partner name to Elokeinu. Okay? In fact, the Mayor of Hashemish says something awesome. Once you know that, that um, yeah, all right. Okay, 
this is gonna take us off track. Okay, let's stay on. Let's stay on the the structure of the universe. Let's stay on the structure of the universe. Um, so, let's do something simple. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got the ten sphere out, and each sphere has the other ten sphere out in it, which means you've got this hundred stratas, which correlate with the hundred adonim, which are the foundation blocks of the Mishkan. Okay, meaning to say that the entire universe is one foundation block to hold something higher, right? Something even more beyond, right? So, so you have to understand that there's a, a dynamic, and you see it expressed in this, this word, um, Adonai, Adoni, right? Of the below to the above, joining with the above to below. The fusion of us going up and Hashem, so to speak, coming down. Okay? Remember, very foundational Torah. Everyone's got to know it. The Ramban says that the whole Mishkan was an ongoing recreation of the Mount Sinai experience. Okay? That's, that's important. Because what did we get at Mount Sinai? We got the Luchos. We got the tablets at Mount Sinai. What was the Mishkan? The Mishkan was a place that was housing the tablets. Okay, and just like there were miracles at, at Mount Sinai, there were also miracles in the Mishkan. Okay, so you had your kind of God experience. You had your you had your Mount Sinai experience. And what happened at Mount Sinai? The heavens came down to earth. The heavens and the earth fused together. Right? So now why am I what where do you see the so you see the below to the above in this idea of the these foundational blocks sort of filling up the entire universe. That's the below to the above. But where do you see the above to the below? Specifically in this name, Adonai, or Adoni, if you want to say it like this. So, one of my favorite things, and I think just, I don't think you can get through life without this teaching. Hashem says to Adam, name the animals. And Adam does, and then the Medrash adds one extra line. Hashem then turns to Adam and says, and what is my name? And then Adam says, Adoni, my master. See, this without that concept that we have a, a, a master, we, we, we will fail. We will fail. And we will live in a state of unreality our entire lives. We will not be plugging into what is actually going on in this world. And as I've said many times, there's such a push against this, especially in America, which is all about the prizing and elevating the individual. That the individual feels as though in order to have dignity and integrity, he must also have total self-mastery. And so the idea of acknowledging a master sort of goes against a lot of a lot of what is baked into all of our presumptions about being a human being. But we have to be liberated from this from this false notion that that we are God essentially. God God makes us partners with him. But then to then proclaim ourselves God 
Remember what Pharaoh says. Pharaoh says, I made the Nile. Really? <laughs> you really made the Nile? That's, that was his thing. I, it's, it's me, guys. I did it. I did it. And remember what the Ishvitzer Rebbe says, the Beis Yaakov. I heard it from Reb Shlomo. Endlessly deep. That deep, 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 deep down, every single person thinks they created themselves. Right? This is, this is hardwired into our brains. And this is an aspect of our building when we're making ourselves into a mishkan. You know, there's two types of building, two categories of building. The first category is demolition. First, you've got to wipe away what's there. The second category is building. And a lot of building is really demolition. Because there's a lot of good thoughts that are often there, but they haven't got any foundation to plant themselves because you've got the wreckage of the old there. And until you have demolition, holy demolition, to like clear away that rubble, you don't have a place to plant all the positive aspects that you have in your own mind. This is why, and I'm basing this on Rebbe Nachman, why I think that for our generation so much, the second of the Ten Commandments is as or more important than the first. And for most people's ears, they sound exactly the same. The first commandment is basically believe in God. The second commandment is don't believe in other gods. So I think, I'll just speak for myself, I I always saw that as a redundancy. If you believe in God, you don't believe in other gods. And Rabbi Nachman says, like, don't you know that you can believe in Hashem and still fall prey to believing in other powers as well? (laughs) You've just placed Hashem there in the pantheon along with other gods. So no, you need both commandments. You need believe in Hashem and you need clear the shelf, clear your soul, clear your mind of this concept that there are any other powers. That's demolition. That's demolition. Right? And then you can have construction. Right? So part of the demolition is this notion of thinking that we're God. And as I'm saying, these things are hardwired into our minds from birth, that, that this is the case. So in other words, part of construction, if we're going to make ourselves into a mishkan, part of construction is undoing certain things that are there from the outset. In other words, understand it's not just that, oh, I'm so conceited, and I'm, 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 I, how did I come to think of myself in this way? How did I come to think of myself in this way? You know, and now I've got to undo that. I'm I'm saying something different. I'm saying that all of us are sort of like given this property that's got an old rickety house on it. (laughs) You know, you've got in the real estate market, you've got things called teardowns, right? Where you actually pay a huge amount of money for a house that you're going to destroy. (laughs) The first thing that you're doing, okay, we bought the house. Now let's tear it down. What? Yeah, of course, because you didn't buy that house. No one was buying that house. You were buying the property to build your house. So, so the idea is, the idea is, that's 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 all of us. We we sort of show up, and there's that that rickety structure. 
And then, and then you know, just maybe to stretch the metaphor just a little bit, you know, if you walk around this neighborhood, you'll see when they tear down houses, they always leave one wall, wall, one wall up because that's a way out of the a zoning problem. <laughs> that, this way you're not building a new house, you're just refurbishing a house. Now, if you ever, if you call that a refurbishing, I mean, literally you've got one random wall up there surrounded literally by rubble. Liberal, literally by rubble. But this is just a, you know, a, a sprucing up. <laughs> but in other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that if, if, if one is understanding what I'm saying, that there are certain aspects that have to be torn down along the lines of the second commandment of getting rid of false powers, right? Don't tear down the entire thing. <laughs> because if you're tearing down the entire thing, you're inviting a whole other set of problems. You understand? In other words, certain things have to remain up. You know? So, so, so that you need a Rebbe for. You have, to, you have to sit with a Rebbe and you have to talk about, you know, how, how can I do this, basically. See? Because, you know, there are, certain wall, there are certain walls which aren't just walls. They're holding up the entire house. And you knock those things down, and then you're you're in far worse shape than you were before. So you have to you have to be you have to be careful. Like no surgeon opens up a body and goes, "All right, what are we going to do?" <laughs> it's like no no no. You should know what you're going to do before you get to that point. <laughs> so so okay good now I want to say one more one more idea on the Mishkan another unbelievable gematria so anyway just to finish that last point just so that we understand that the Mishkan is a fusion of heaven and earth because the Mishkan is a recreation as the Ramban says of the Mount Sinai experience right so this word Adonim Adonim which is it's, it's, it's also God you're my master so it's the above to below, as well as the below to the above, because they're both utilizing this, these letters, Aleph, Dalad, Nun, and Yud, foundational, but also master, right? And they're fusing together, just like God making the whole world, just like the Mishkan itself is a miniature of the entire world, right? And just like it should be a miniature of ourselves as well, that we are foundational things. That's the idea of being a Merkava, a chariot. You're the car, God's the driver, right? That's the idea of the Adonim, right? These, this is these, the foundational blocks. And then you create this dynamic where the above can now come down to the below. So this is true for ourselves. This is true for the Mishkan. This is true for the world. This is, this is working on every single level. Remember, the whole ordering of these Parshas, I, just so you know, I'm, I'm basically just trying to explain the Ramban a little bit. You know, the, because the Ramban is saying that the ordering of the Parshas in Shmos is basically what, what, what we talked about from the outset. We get our freedom, we get the Torah, and now we have to turn the world into a dwelling place for God. That's, that's, the, that's the narrative flow of, of Sefer Shmos. And then Vayikra is now going to get into more detail because once you bring the Shekhinah down in terms of having a Mishkan, okay, now it's sort of like, it's all about how do we maintain that state. And that's Sefer Vayikra, also known as the Book of Leviticus. That's all these like very fine-tuning, relational type of things 
to, to keep it there. Once it's there, you want to keep it there. Remember the, what Rabbi Green once said, that, that he, he says that when he sees these movies and you go to the movies and everything like that, and at the end of the movie, the man marries the woman and then the curtain closes. And he's like, he says, no, now that's the part I want to watch, starting from there. How do, how do they stay married? <laughs> how do they keep it working? That, that's the part I want to know. You know, so, so, so that's Sefer Vayikra, right? It comes down at the end of Shmos, right? And then we build the Mishkan. Then you have to maintain that relationship, maintain that closeness. Okay, so how do we maintain the closeness? So remember, there are all sorts of divine names baked into all the different aspects and measurements of the, of the Beis HaMikdash. And if you, if you want to learn more about it, look in the uh, Mayor of Hashemish and Parshish Truma, and, um, and that's one place to look. So, so he, he gives a nice sort of overall type of thing, something that's a, kind of like a little bit baffling, or at least I've been baffled by it, even though it's a super cool teaching, but if you kind of try to want to understand it, it becomes baffling immediately, which is the idea, I think maybe Rashi brings it, I'm not sure, but it's a, it's a well-known teaching that Betzalel, who, who designed the Mishkan, um, or who built the Mishkan, knew how to combine the letters of the olive base like Hashem did when he made the world, basically. <laughs> like, what? And he, by the way, it says he was 13 years old. This is, just, <laughs> just in case it wasn't wild enough. Right? So how, like, how, like, what? Like, so, and yet, you actually see, like, when you look in the measurements and all these things, you actually do see, like, all these divine names, like, built into the thing. So it's like, so it's there for sure, but like, what, what is going on exactly? Or what does that just even mean on the simplest, simplest, simplest level? So again, just, just on, the, on the most superficial level, we say that God combined, you see, when we say the God combined the olive base, I always try to make the point, it doesn't mean he took a, 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 a dalid and hammered it into a gimel, right? That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about energy wavelengths. Right, and that there are corresponding energy wavelengths to each of the letters, basically. And he combined all these energies in order to create the world. Okay? And it's signified. This is kind of like shorthand, you know, to say the letters, basically. But, but it's also, it actually also is the letters, but it, this is talking way beyond that. So God combined the letters to create the world, and we said that the Mishkan is a miniature of the world. So it would make sense that if you're properly constructing a microcosm of the world that you would have access to the same idea of combining these energies in the same way. So, so it makes sense, at least again on the most superficial level, this idea that Betzalel would have access to this knowledge of how to combine the letters of the alphabet, right? Okay, so just simple. But now let me get you to this teaching from the Mayor of Hashemesh. Very, very beautiful, very amazing. He says in Gemara Kedushan, it says that God created the Yetzahara, the, the negative inclination, and he created the antidote to it, which is the Torah. So the Torah is the antidote to the Yetzahara, to the negative inclination. Now he says, look how you see this exactly in the Mishkan itself. The, the, the thing that held the, 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 the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, the Aron Kodesh, was made out of Shittim wood, which in, in English it's, it's translated as acacia, which is a form of oak wood. 
So it was made out of this wood. Now, he says, look, look at the word shitim. That's gamatria satan, which is this negative energy. Remember, in, in, in the Gemara, it says that the, the Yetzahara, the Malach the angel of not so much, right? And the satan is all one energy. So that's all one energy. Okay, and you see, shitim is shin, tet, yud, mem. Yud and mem, if you combine yud and mem, that's 10 and 40, that's nun. Nun is 50. So shin, tet, nun, satan. Right? So, and that was the, and that that's what the aran was made out of, shitim wood, which is gamatra satan, which is the Yetzirah, and what did it contain? The Torah. Because the Torah is the antidote to the Yetzirah. So you see, you, you see, like, all there's, it's just, it never ends, guys. It never ends. It never ends. It's, it's oceans upon oceans upon oceans upon worlds upon worlds. It never ends. It never ends. Because God, God in his godliness was able to find a way to implant the infinite within the finite. And that's the Torah. That's the Torah. So... So let's just review. Let's just review. The idea is like this. God has given us our freedom. God has given us a vision of this world and our lives. And now God says, put it all together. Put it all together. Make a mishkan. But remember, each one of us was supposed to be the mishkan. And it says, by the way, I saw this in the Sfarna, very amazing Torah that it will return, that we will have the halachic status of being mishkans again in the end of days. And where do you see that? There's something called Abama Katana and Abama Gedola. That means that the, these, were, these are classifications of mounds where you could bring offerings. Once the base, it, it used to be that you could have a private altar. And you see it in the beginning of Breshis and things like that, like especially the Avos, the patriarchs were making private altars. Once you had the base Amigdash, private offers, private mounds and altars were 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 like against the law basically. You had a central place to do it. Okay? But in the end of days, says this Farno, because each one of us is going to return to the status of being a Mishkan ourselves, we will again be able to have private altars because we individually are going to be Mishkans again. Amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's not just an idea, you see. It actually has halachic ramifications, which means it's been baked into reality, into this world. So... So this is our job, and you can have this kavana before you say Baruch Shemar, that you, you want to be a, a Merkava and a Mishkan, right? Is to construct your life and to, just like the Mishkan was in all sorts of different pieces with very precise measurements, and we put them together, we have to take the different aspects of our life, our, the, the, the family part, the work part, the friends part, the God part, and we have to Integrate them together on purpose, with, 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 with a plan. And, and if you have a structured day, you have a structured day with measurements, don't think you're legislating 
the life out of your life. <laughs> because the crucial ingredient is simcha. When you add simcha, everything becomes alive. Everything becomes alive. Um, Rabbi Wolfson says on the words, or chadash al-tzion ta'ir. So we, we translate that conventionally. We say in the prayers every day, a new light will shine on Zion, Zion, Jerusalem. He says, no, don't read it as a new light will shine on Zion, but or chadash, a light of newness should be shining all the time. See, that's what simcha is. It's, it's, a, it's a light of newness which reinvigorates and enlivens every aspect of our life and then we're not only being productive, we're being productive in the most glorious, joyous way. Now for some questions and answers. I was looking at the the olive the olives when you're saying the Hashem is one and then why do you say the second one is that there's no other God? Yeah. So I was looking at there is such a thing as number two. Number two is duality. That's gonna exist in this world. Yeah. Number one is Hashem, but there is a number two. Right. So it has to be brought in that number two is not somebody else. It's yes, very good. That that duality is built into the world and then you have to that's the whole idea of the demolition again. Yeah. It's it's the world is kind of it's not finished yet. You know, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story, which is that um, we bought a house. I, and I grew up in New York City. And um, so I, I was just like, apartments are normal and everything like that. And then when I got married, my wife was like, well, maybe, you know, we should think about a house or something like that. And I'm like, I don't want a house. I grew up in an apartment. Apartments are normal. Houses are <laughs> abnormal. <laughs> like, I don't want that. And she's like... You know, so over a period of time, she just kept on bringing it up, and it was sort of like, okay, so I think everyone knows how the story ends. <laughs> so, we could, so we got a house, and it was, it was this, it was this, you know, you know, it was a small house, and and it was in not great shape. It was in bad shape, and 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 the only reason why they they sold it is because we had the. I don't know if I can call it the Great Earthquake, but since I've been living out in Los Angeles for 30 years or so, that's it was the Great Earthquake in the last 30 years. This 94. was the Northridge, the Northridge yeah. one, yeah. So after the Northridge earthquake, there were certain. It was like a family, and they couldn't resolve family issues in terms of selling the house. I think that's probably pretty common. But um, after the earthquake, they were like, "We got to get rid of this thing while there's still a house," you know. So let's just, you know, otherwise we're not going to make anything on this thing. So they, they sold it like days later, you know, and we were the ones who bought it. And we had no idea. We understood that we had to like fix it up. We had no idea what we were doing. Zero, zero idea. And, um, you know, it needed so much work and it certainly needed a paint job also. And at one point we had someone put different color swatches on the outside of the house, like about five or six color swatches. And, um, we lived a few blocks from there, so we could like walk over and and for months the house was just sitting there, just nothing was going on, because we didn't know what to do. We we didn't know what to do, and we'd show up and there would be like neighbors congregating around the house, looking at the different color swatches, going, "I think they should go with that one. No, 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 no. maybe that one is you know better, you know." So anyway, we finally hired this handyman who is not a licensed contractor who like um, basically showed up with a saw and a hammer 
<laughs> just started like just knocking things down and just whatever you know we, we it was because we couldn't afford a contractor and and this was this guy seemed to know what he was doing so I but here's the point of the story I showed up one day and there was like rubble around based on just him just knocking things down and I mean like you know you like that white powder of like plaster plaster was around and covering stuff and it was one of the most beautiful sights I had ever seen really I'm, I'm not exaggerating I'm not making a joke like most people would have seen rubble but what I saw was finally the work is getting done that that's what I saw and so the reason why that's meaningful to me in, on a personal level is because to, in terms of demolition and things like that sometimes like when the job first starts to get done and you say okay I'm going to do something with my life I'm going to really make an effort in this area and the, one's first attempts are like they're abysmal they, they look like rubble mm -hmm. to the outside world they look like rubble but to you to think that you how much did you have to overcome in order to do a bad job <laughs> like a bad job is already a bad job is just an in-between step to be being able to do a good job because you're seeing it in the context of the direction that you're going in like other people are just saying, well, that's what you came up with, that's not very good. Well, okay, yes, agreed. But this is the beginning. You don't have the eyes to see it. But I see the beauty in the rubble, right? And by the way, just to tie it to Rabbi Akiva, you know, the famous thing, when he saw the, the rubble and he saw foxes coming out of the Holy of Holies, he said, he laughed and everyone else was crying. And they said to him, why are you laughing? He said, why are you crying? They said, what do you mean, why are we crying? We're seeing the, the destruction of the, the Holy Temple. What do you mean, why are we crying? And he says, yeah, but there's a prophecy that says that it has to be destroyed before it can be perfected. And now I see that that prophecy came true. Now the other prophecy can also come true. So he saw in the rubble, he saw the end game. He saw that the, the building was actually taking place. So we should know that in our own lives as well, right? Okay, not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone is going to get it. But if you know, then allow that vision to guide you and, and keep on moving in, 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 in the right direction because that rubble is going to turn into a real building.